Hi, I'm Leon Gorin, president of PEO Leadership, a peer-to-peer leadership advisory firm. We're an amazing community of CEOs, presidents, and senior executives. Ask yourself, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? It's time for Ontario business leaders to band together for counsel and support. It's time for you to tap into the business wisdom of our peer groups and unlock new ways to grow. I want you to come out of this COVID crisis a better leader and your organization ready for what's next. Take the first step at peo-leadership.com. Today on our Snippets podcast, we have Craig McClellan with us, founder of ThinkOn. Craig's been a member of PO for more than 10 years and part of my own advisory group, Pat Four. Craig, it's great to have you here with us today. Great to be here. So I, I thought, I, I know probably too much about you here, so I, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch my questions. But I thought a good place to start was a little bit of the journey from your corporate life to the entrepreneurial life. And I know that was a number of years ago, and you've been in our group through both. But maybe just some of the surprises, any surprise as you move from one to the next. Yeah. So there's a few surprises. Um, when you're, you know, you can feel great about being an entrepreneur and that can, you know, provide you with some cover on your ego and give you some, you know, comfort when you have success. But what I found as, as a, you know, working in an enterprise environment, you spend so much time politicking to get to the right answer that by the time you actually had an official answer, you already, you already knew what you're doing. So, there was no real competition for your time or money. And what I found is that in our environment today, I have probably $40 worth of opportunities for every dollar I have. And so it's much harder uh, to make a good decision or to know that you've made a good decision without getting into analysis paralysis. Uh, That's one thing that I noticed uh, a big difference on. The second thing is um, when you when you're working a large organization and you do think of yourself as a as an entrepreneur, you you don't see a difference between startup and scale up. It's just one continuous motion because you have you have all these uh, crutches in an or in an enterprise organization where you don't realize the real pain of a startup. So then you just keep moving. But when you when you actually run your own or start your own business, there are multiple phases. Like everyone always says get to the first million and then your business has to pivot regardless of how successful you are. You, like, things change and then you get to the next 10 million. That's oh shit. Things change again. Yeah. I, you don't see that in an enterprise environment, but boy, oh boy, I, uh, I cannot imagine uh, how, like I, I, it was such a shocking thing for me to go through both those phases. And then the, the third thing is uh, I could not comprehend how lonely it is to be a CEO. Uh, because there's not a lot of people you can talk to about your problems. It's one of the reasons why I've been a member of PEO for so long, and I probably still don't use it as effectively as I could. Uh, but you don't have anyone to commiserate with inside your organization because you can't telegraph, to, even to your key employees. You telegraph a fear. I mean, you've got a flight risk in a heartbeat, and you can't telegraph you know, immense uh, opportunity because you don't want people to get overwhelmed. Like there's just all these things that I just didn't comprehend the sensitivity to enthusiasm and to fear. So you end up taking it home with you and that's not always the best place to take it. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was thinking of asking you is, and I haven't asked anybody this question, but 
the two organizations before were both American organizations. Cause I remember you were flying like a maniac. You were never here. One was in Colorado. I can't remember the other one. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we always compare ourselves to the Americans in terms of being competitive and as driven. You now have this Canadian business, think on. I know you may be having business in the US. How do we really compare? I mean, you've seen both sides. You've worked with the US guys and now you got your own team on the Canadian side. Yeah, I would say that uh, maybe an analogy is if I was building a house, I'd want it built by Canadians. And if I was digging a hole, I'd want it done by Americans. Um, you know, a Canadian will measure three times and cut once. Getting decisions made are is difficult. People aren't fast to move. Whereas in, in the U.S., people will do deals fast and, and they'll fire you fast. Like they'll get rid of you fast. So there's much much lower level of sensitive sensitivity to relationship. So and, and the thing is, you can't operate in both easily. Like you, if you're not aware of both, one of the two will completely um, kill you because you, you just can't do both. So I find that now with us, you know, 40% of our business comes from the States. When I'm on the phone with any of our American clients, I have to put on that hat that I remember living and working down there. But as soon as I get into a conversation with one of our partners here in Canada, I remember, oh, right, this is, we got to talk about this over and over again. I'm not trying to sound negative. It's just, there's a sensitivity because no one wants to get into a relationship where it may not go perfect. Despite the fact that you can't tell how things are going to really go, but you, you know, it's a that would be my number one, I think, observation between the two markets, Leon. And and I've, I've heard other people say this, but that's that's my observation. Yeah, that's great. So tell us a little bit about uh, ThinkOn. You know, it's it's sort of in the not in the same space that you've been in the past. It's sort of a consolidation of what you've seen, and then you started to improve and sort of innovate. Um, so yeah. for those that don't know it, please elaborate. Sure. Is- so, uh, well, I mean, in a nutshell, we do, uh, we're a wholesale centric provider of data protection and archiving services for public sector and enterprise organizations. We have about 1,100 customers around the world, uh, predominantly in North America. Uh, we have multiple footprints and, you know, some would call us a cloud provider. We certainly uh, are happy to admit that we're a cloud provider, although I don't really like the word and have never liked the word. Um, but people effectively buy services that we deliver on a consumption model. So that falls under the definition of cloud. What makes us different is, as I said at the beginning, we're a wholesaler. So we actually operate under a, a approximately 25 brands across North America where we're the back end and you wouldn't even know that we were and about another 125 resellers who resell our brand. So whether it's backup services for laptops or multi-petabytes of archiving for governments, we're kind of on both ends of the spectrum. But if it doesn't include lots of data, we've never really been focused on that. Um, Genesis, two of the businesses I spent a lot of time, and going back to your question about America versus Canada, uh, managing a sales force is not for the faint of heart. And I don't think a lot of people have necessarily perfected the art of maximizing their sales force. So when I started the business, I, I said, the world does not need another sales force. So when I say wholesale, I mean this, like we have a very small sales engagement team that's really designed to help our resellers be successful. And I am so thankful every day that uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get 
confused over whether we were wholesale or retail. It, it just wouldn't have worked otherwise. Right. And okay, I'm going to jump into another yeah. surveys. I know you guys have surveyed your employees. There's a lot of talk right now about sort of getting back to work and um, maybe you can share some of that question, specific question about curiosity, whether people are really looking forward to coming back into the office, not so much about the health thing, but just in terms of what they would prefer in your world, what are you saying? Yeah. So uh, the, the quick answer is when we did our most recent survey, we had approximately 10% of our employees who wanted to come back to work. Uh, it was surprisingly small number. Uh, you know, we, we've always had a really collaborative environment. Uh, and I, before COVID, I had equated everyone working in the same location to being the anchor to collaboration. But what I noticed uh, that maybe it should have told me the survey would have been this way uh, when we uh, pivoted to work from home and we were deemed an essential service. So we never closed, so to speak, but we closed the office as a, as a gesture of, you know, we understand that people don't want to be commuting. A lot of our employees are young, single, and they don't want to be taking public transit, which I completely understand and appreciate that. Um, but the, uh, I, I could not believe how fast people pivoted to, collaborating online you know we made some good decisions we uh bought you know we licensed zoom oddly enough we licensed zoom the week before this happened like we knew it was coming but we licensed zoom and we've been a very active user of slack and we have all of our tools as obviously as an online company we have to eat our own dog food wherever we can uh so i didn't anticipate a I, I anticipated a productivity drop of 25 to 30%, and instead we had a 10 to 15% bump in productivity. And I think all the employees have just, or, or 90% of them have said, I can continue to do this for home indefinitely. I like it. No one likes the commute in Toronto. I think that's fair to say. I ride my bike eight minutes to the office every day, and I, well, I probably should say I like my commute. Maybe someone will listen to this and wonder why I don't ride a bike. But uh, the, uh, I think that that's probably the, the, the essence of that. Uh, I, there is a dark side, and maybe I can elaborate on this. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of companies in tech came out quickly, whether it's uh, Dorsey over at Twitter, Zuckerberg at Facebook, and I'm not suggesting that I'm in their category because I'm not, but they came out very quickly promoting this idea of work from home as a new mantra. And I think that we as employers owe it to our contributors that work from home is not a benefit to an employee. It's not. Uh, there might be a convenient time when it's, hey, I don't really want to go to work today. Great, I can work from home. But this idea of working from home is all about getting more effort out of a person because A, they're giving you at least half of their commute time and work. And what we notice, and this has become our biggest problem, is getting people to stop working. Six o'clock, Slack channels are still coming. People work until seven, and that is not healthy. I mean, can we go that for, way for six months? Probably, but for 12, not without, you know, driving people crazy. So I've been one of these people that even internally, I, I constantly say to people, when your day is done, get the hell off the systems. Like, don't keep going, because otherwise you're going to burn out. And I, I, I worry a little bit about that survey result that we had, that 90%, that the, the 90% that are comfortable working from home 
aren't necessarily evolving to kind of turning off, but we don't have enough evidence yet. Yeah, it's, it's so the survey we're doing now that's much broader. It'll be interesting to see what people come back with because I'm I'm curious about you know in the technology world, the individuals that are working with you are on screen. They're almost like wired, and one yeah. to be they're used to being on screen. And yeah. I, I even feel when I'm on a screen, you lose yourself, right? The hours just keep going. Now I don't oh, have yeah. to get to work, so I just I keep going, keep going, have some dinner, I'll finish it off. So the days just get longer and longer. So. But it'll be interesting to see the different industries and different roles within organizations, whether that's that really is true among them all. Yep. Um, on that, you know, in your world, and I remember Shopify saying Shopify has gone this way too, right? Saying basically people are going to work from home. The first thing that hits me is the whole cultural piece. You know, how are you going to maintain culture? And then when I talk to you about it, I'm like, you know what? Actually, it may not be a, as big an issue as I think it would be, as I thought it would be. Um, but you do some interesting things around culture. And, and so maybe I can ask, you know, from a hiring perspective is sort of bucket one, and then the onboarding perspective, just maybe sharing some of those best practices. Sure. Yeah. So this is what works for us. I mean, we we got incredibly lucky. I think, first of all, as a startup, you, you get to start with some blank sheets of paper. And I think, well, we want to start anymore. I think we were in our fourth year at the time, maybe third year. Um, we'd hired our first HR-centric person uh, and she said, uh, you know, I think this company needs some values. And, you know, I, for about five minutes, I thought, oh, sure, I can write down Craig McClellan's values. And then I thought, no, this is just not going to work because I don't want to hire a bunch of Craig McClellans. So we had, we had the luxury of uh, getting every employee in the company at the time. I think we had 22 at the time. They spent two days with me as an observer and a participant, but not as a leader, uh, crafting uh, our values. And it, what I what I marveled at the time was, first of all, how hard everyone worked and bought into it. We've since had to fire based on those values, and we've absolutely hired. And that's really, I think, really the one of the secrets that we've that we've had is that we do uh, we do multiple technical interviews because we're a technical company, so we've got to make sure people know what they. They, we got to make sure people know they, that they, what they say they know. And that can only be done through repetitive testing. You can't just take someone's you know, word to it. So we do that. And then um, we do this thing called a cultural interview, which I'm sure everyone's thinking you know, they have their own version of a culture interview. But it's a meeting where the hiring manager attends. And otherwise, it's open season. And when we were working in the office, you couldn't get more than four or five employees to take a break to go and do a cultural interview in the boardroom, which is fine. But that's it's not really a way to get a solid uh, view of someone's the way they're going to react. And more importantly, the way they're going to align with the values, because I don't like we are absolutely committed to making sure that everyone's treated fairly. And we, you know, we have. We're trying to practice diversity is because everything it's really important, um, but the uh, and to live it. But the uh, as soon as it went online, and and by the way, I have evidence of this because we've hired eleven people since we went home. Um, now we're regularly getting fourteen to fifteen employees showing up to do these cultural interviews. <laughs> Imagine I don't go. <laughs> Or a person on the other side is like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, and, and that's right, because they're alone, too, right? But what I marvel at it is, first of all, the questions are bizarre. 
like, you know, we have some planted questions because we really do care. Like one of our key values is trust the team. Now, if I said to you, Leon, do you, do you trust your team? Your answer is yes, right? Because that's a like, hello, that's sort of answer. But we have questions that people ask that you can actually find out whether people really believe in that value that I didn't think up. My HR person didn't think up, but some guy or gal in operations thought up. Like we have people asking like a silly example, but is a hot dog a sandwich or a hot dog? <laughs> and and they, they, there's no wrong answer. But the act of going through the process and explaining how they think and, and collaborate, and then what you really are looking for is, like one of our six core values is, uh, why so serious? And technology people are full of themselves. Like, hero culture is alive and well in technology, and we don't employ heroes here. You know, everyone that works here could be a hero any day, but we don't look for heroes because heroes come with their own set of baggage. And uh, that has been amazing for the culture because the team self-regulates and self-chooses. So now we've gone from, you know, 22 employees who created those values, who I've watched them defend those values to the, at the end of the day, they live up for it. We've had to terminate two people in four years that didn't align to those values. That's it. Uh, we, we've had, you know, knock on wood, very, very little turnover other than that. And we've hired all these people. So now we see all these people who are so, uh, strongly aligned to the values that it's just it's really good so people can go months and not meet and you can hear them talking for the first time on a conference call and they're like they're getting stuff done and they're getting along yeah and then on the uh you know the onboarding side we're trying to use a combination of making sure people are comfortable with technology so we've gone out of our way to make sure their first 10 minutes as as a thank on employee is delightful and that starts with stuff i give you to work with your laptop and everything else works because it's how many times if have new employees come to the office in the first three days they're like oh we're not we're not sure where your laptop is or whatever and in the time of covid imagine it's been hard but one of our employees comes in and you know we have a, a marketing co-op student starting in a week and that laptop's ready to go and and that person's going to have a good first 10 minutes and then we try to match them up with, with people inside the company. First of all, if, if they're a technical role, they'll shadow their peers who have experience for the first week or two, depending on how, what level of comfort they have. And then uh, the roles reverse. So they take the lead on things and they're shadowed. So there's a lot of collaboration and sharing feedback because it's all about making sure that they understand that you know, customers vote with their wallets and their feet. And uh, we want to make sure that we, you know, give a chance to delight them wherever we can. We make we make mistakes, but um, one of the key values around here is when you make a mistake, you own it, you communicate it a lot, and you you know maintain a lot of openness about it. And that's really been a difference for us. Wow. Well, Craig, I want to thank you for sharing those insights. I mean, I'm sure the members are going to really enjoy the snippet and and, and stuff. And, uh, and it's been awesome having you part of PEO for so many years. I don't want to count the years because that will age us here. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have the plaque. <laughs> you have the plaque. I know. What was that plaque? That's only a two-year plaque, right? That's right. Oh, oh I have, sorry. I have the 10-year print or framed, yeah. uh, framed certificate. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, yeah, thanks so much again for participating with us here. And My pleasure. Thoughts. If you're interested in our live webcast, 
the way forward live and any other snippets, please take a moment and visit us at po-leadership.com. You'll find on our site various pre-recorded webcasts along with our snippets. They include a number of different presenters and interviews um, from Professor Janice Stein over at the Monk Institute and University of Toronto to Harvard's Rosabeth Cantor, Joe Jackman from Jackman Reinvents, Harry Kramer, who used to be the CEO of Baxter, and the list goes on. Also, if you'd like to learn more about PO Leadership, um, please also reach out, visit our website, and and or you can reach out to Kelly May at uh, KMAY at PO-leadership.com. That concludes our session. Thank you very much for joining us today.